Four points from two Easter matches have left Norwich City firmly in the hunt, but it's hard to shake that feeling of missed opportunity after a goalless draw against Rotherham United at Carrow Road on Bank Holiday Monday. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast in association with Future Radio. I'm your host, Connor Southwell, and joining us to pick through the, I don't know, I'm trying to think of an appropriate Easter saying pick through whatever uh, easter saying you'd like to apply here is uh, paddy davitt and sam seaman before we come to football we've got to talk easter paddy how many easter eggs did you get it's a crucial question to start the pod uh well now i have a little person they get directed to him i i had to go uh i didn't have to go but we was with his grandparents on easter sunday and basically uh, my role was to keep uh, his uh uh, rucksack open uh, so he could put all the eggs in from his Easter egg hunt around the garden. So it's an important job. It is, yeah, yeah. And he got 13 of these little eggs, but uh, so far I've managed to siphon off about three of them. So uh, I'm working. What, are you eating them? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, he, get, he, he, he likes the idea of the egg hunt, but I don't think he's <laughs> overly enamoured with eating 13 eggs. So, uh, so it's a win win. But no, that's so, yeah, very nice, actually, because we, you know, we had the game Friday and then. Travel back on the Saturday, um, and it felt quite nice to have a bit, a bit of downtime in between uh, the joyous experience of what we've just witnessed at Cow Road here on Easter Monday. So yeah, all in all, some good this Easter, some not so good, and I'll let you decide which part of that is the family and which part is the football. To be fair, I did I did an egg hunt with my boy, and uh, he. He picked up all the eggs and then decided he wanted to hide them again so he could refine them. So I think it is the aspect of the hunt rather than the yeah. uh, than the than the achievement. Maybe that's a metaphor for no city no, season. Probably, I'm not sure. Apparently, his grandparents then announced as we were leaving their place um, that they actually thought they'd put more eggs out. So somewhere in their garden is is a random collection of eggs. So we'll probably find them next Easter. Yeah. Well, the problem I have is that I've got a dog which, you know, dogs and chocolate don't mix. So I kind of had to make sure that, and he's a young dog who would eat, he would eat said eggs as well. So uh, I don't really fancy another trip to the vets. Anyway, Sam, how's your, how's your Easter been? Any, any Easter eggs for you? Not, uh, not over the Easter weekend. Uh, well, you had them prematurely. Of course. Yeah. It was actually, um, I was surprised by how cheap they are. Um, it's my first year not living with my parents. So First time I've been. What did you What did you go for? You've, you've walked into a shop. You've got an, you've got an absolute choice. There, you've got Cadbury's, Nestle, uh, other ones. You, you can get them <laughs> yeah. specialist ones from some shops, like oh, the yeah, gourmet not, ones. Which yeah, ones have I'm you not, gone for? Not made of money. Um, I uh, I've bought an embarrassing amount, to be honest with you. I've maybe bought four or five different ones <laughs> over the time. Mini eggs, probably right up there. I think that's um, best part of the Easter thing for me. But no, I've probably had five or six eggs before Easter and then none over the, uh, the Easter weekend. So it's been a bit backwards, but I'm led to believe my um, my grandparents have one for me back where they live. So I suppose I'll have one in like May. So that would be exciting. But yeah, not didn't really resemble Easter in any way, the actual Easter weekend, apart from, um, yeah, as Paddy says, joyous trips to the football. So that's been, that's been good for sure. Not a bit controversial, not a massive fan of mini eggs. Which is really? no, that's so not, poor. Not my favourite thing. They might the be up, they might be up there with the very best confection. I don't I don't like the hard shell soft centre. Mix. <laughs> I think it's good. That's that's, it's that's good. not for me. Um, I tell you what, I did have. I had a custard cream cheesecake that my sister made, which was absolutely disgusting in terms of <laughs> calories, but wonderful in terms of joy. Um, so for you personally, so, as an addict, as we discussed, I think on a previous podcast. Oh, it's, oh, yeah. it's, 
true. So we're going from biscuits to eggs, chocolate variety. There's a bit yeah. of a theme developing here. Is this food corner we're going to? Have it to should be, should be, yeah. shouldn't it? Um, let's let's talk football then, Pad. I mean, uh, as we said, four points for Norwich City. Which I, I mean, I, I'll drop it in now. I did, oh, yeah, I, yeah. Did, I did, you, I did, you I did. How long did that take? That took all of about <laughs> two minutes. We've been recording here yeah. three minutes. You joyously uh, announced as. Almost to the, to the extent where you didn't want Norwich to get a winner today. Ah, oh, that's not true. <laughs> well, that's what I'm going to say. The, the glee with which you turned to me about, I don't know what time, it was about 80 minutes. About 13 minutes in, wasn't it? No, no, no. It was second <laughs> half, second half, late second half to announce. And I'll let you announce it because I don't want to spoil your thumb, take your yeah. thumb back. Well, I said we, we ended the last pod in terms of our predictions. What did you, you went for, what did you go for, three? I can't honestly remember. I've been you on went three. for one, which is disgraceful, one. by the way. Yeah, I do recall him saying one, yeah. But I, I went for four, but not only did I go for four, I said a win at Ewood Park and a draw at home to Rotherham. So I should have put money on it. Yeah. But, but anyway, the, the point is, how, how are you reflecting on that? Because even though it feels like a productive total, and I think if you kind of flipped it and maybe the draw came yeah. at Ewood Park and the win came today, we'd probably be sat here viewing it a little bit differently. But on the back of what we've just witnessed at Carrow Road, it's hard to shift that feeling, as I said, right at the start of, of missed opportunity today. Well, that's it in a, in a nutshell, nutshell, to use the egg theme. But uh, it is that. It is the feeling of it all. I mean, as, as Wagner himself said after the game um, within the last hour or so, Disappointing result, frustrating. Um, but he was happy with the performance, and we'll drill drill into that. I don't necessarily tend to agree with with his breakdown of that, but uh, it does feel frustrating. It does feel disappointing, and that is very much a reaction to what we saw conversely at Blackburn in quite a lot of adversity, injury wise, which we'll get into again in more depth. Now we've had an update. Um, but the manner that they played that day, the, the goals when they've struggled so badly to score goals in the previous four games. And again, it was very, today was a very flat post Millwall-esque kind of parallel that, that you just thought, right, here we go. It's come back together again. The path to the top six was opening up. They win again today. Um, then they're in the top six tonight. But unfortunately, we got more of the same at Car Road over the entirety of this season, which was, you know, a failure to to really convincingly sort of prove that they were good enough to to dispense with a well organised, um, well drilled, spirited, but for me fairly limited Rotherham team and uh, far too comfortable for them. And I know we'll get into the nuance of um, where the chances came, um, but overall, by one or two opportunities at the beginning and the end of the game, far too comfortable for Rotherham and that should never have been the case today. Even allowing for the mitigation of the injuries, even allowing really for the quick turnaround two days and, and all the effort that was expended to get that result of Blackburn just to you know to throw that in today. Um and you just leave Guy Road feeling flat and and the the, the material element of that is that they're a place poorer tonight. They're eighth in the table tonight, albeit they're still a point from the top six as they were at the start of the day, but it feels, again, like reverse gear rather than you thought after Blackburn, you win this game today, which they should have done. Then the the pedal is firmly depressed again and uh, they go to Middlesbrough in real good spirit and in the top six. But uh wouldn't be Norwich if they didn't do it the hard way. No, it, it felt it felt very on brand, didn't it, for for this season? Uh, which is why I probably made the prediction that I did um, slightly tongue in cheek, even though even though it's actually come to fruition on on the last pod, because you get a performance like we witnessed at Blackburn, which was so positive and had so many good characteristics, and then you see this kind of inconsistent streak back and the struggles and that kind of um, 
real stodginess and sluggishness to kind of produce a performance at home. I mean, it's it's one point now in in three matches at Carrow Road, which isn't by any means um, playoff form, promotion form, however you want to sum it up. And that is probably why people find themselves where they where they are tonight, Sam. In terms of the majority that I've seen feeling quite disappointed and quite dejected by that performance when again I'll use the word opportunity they had that opportunity to to really lay a marker down and if they you know one goal they'd have been sat in fifth it looks very different and and maybe this is a little bit kind of reactive to the result but we will come to the performance but it it was an opportunity to put things in their hands which isn't isn't something that they've had really since David Wagner came into the building and once again they've stumbled It, it kind of sums up where this team is at and has been all season yeah I think the worst bit is just that people are really fed up now of this pattern and I think I said to you after the Blackburn game it'll be good I'm glad they've got a positive result because at least for once the Pinkham podcast won't sound the same because we're saying the same things I don't know we had a nice chat about eggs no it's true the eggs was a, was a highlight but professional every time, athletes as we are I should say yeah, yeah. every time it comes around to uh, Norwich City though we're, we're left talking about the same things and saying the same things so yeah I think it, it really is quite frustrating for those people who can see the patterns happening over and over again and I think every football fan likes to make that joke of oh they'll go and beat you know top, top team in the league and then lose to somebody who they really should be um, beating but Norwich absolutely have epitomised that this season it feels like most of the times they've been required to perform in a big game they haven't and when they have they followed it up with some really abject results and really struggled to build on that and, and put any form um, into their performances so I can understand why Norwich fans are really fed up, especially given, um, I think it's easy when you just look at the results as a whole to to say that it's been inconsistent. But in front of their home fans, which is the large, large majority of fans who watch the games in person, by the way, um, it's been a poor season. It's not even been inconsistent or average or disappointing. It's been overall, I think most clubs would be disappointed with this season at home. Um, so... The number of fans who probably this season haven't been to too many away games and have had to turn up week in, week out or you know bi-weekly, whatever it is, to come and watch quite disappointing performances and an impotent team really is, is probably reflective of where the mood is and probably helps you understand quite where things have gone wrong and why the mood is, is so down when results like this happen because we should be here discussing actually a, a really quite good weekend for Norwich City as you said earlier if they had got that draw at Ewood Park and then beaten Rotherham um, today as probably people would have predicted and probably as they should have done um, it would feel quite a lot more positive I don't think it actually has been a negative Easter weekend for Norwich whatsoever they're one point away from the playoffs they're certainly closer and in a better position than they were when they travelled to Lancashire but it's just the fact that Norwich fans are probably at this time thinking they're never going to get away from this pattern and they're never going to be able to watch their team again without knowing that in a week's time, if they've been good, they won't be able to back it up. And um, I think that's a task that David Wagner's got to drill into and got to work hard on because Dean Smith wasn't able to do it and we've seen the end result of that in in terms of his his time at Norwich. So, um, yeah, I really do hope that they can put this behind them and... There's five games left of the season, so they're certainly not going to now prove themselves as a consistent, impressive team who churns out performances week in, week out. But at least with 
potential Premier League promotion on the line, surely they can find a way to beat teams that they should be beating and they haven't been able to do that today. So I totally understand why it feels so down despite what I think has actually been quite a positive few days for Norwich City. Yeah, I would agree. And and, and again, that that kind of feeling that there is after this game, whether that will be the same on Tuesday or on Wednesday or whatever, when maybe we've we've had a little bit more time to reflect on, on the league table more widely is, is for a different debate. But it's hard kind of sat here after the game to feel anything other than frustration and that sense of missed opportunity when the reality is they've they've made ground on on Blackpool, uh, Blackpool, Blackburn and, and and Millwall, both of who have, have dropped points today. You've got teams in and around them who, barring Preston, who are on an incredible run of form, won again today at Reading, haven't really been able to capitalise on the fact that Norwich and others are, are kind of spluttering, and Norwich haven't been able to capitalise on that fact either. But the reality is they're eighth in the table, they're one point off 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 fifth, isn't it? So they have actually made ground up over this weekend, Pad. So that's kind of where the the feeling that exists after this game is quite is quite strange, I suppose. Yeah, I mean it is, but you know, there's teams who have the odd. I think Blackburn have got a game in hand now, haven't they? So you know, it, it's slightly skewered for me. Um, I I I just think rightly that there should be that palpable sense of disappointment because it, for me, I tweeted it. I think at the final whistle, it was the latest in a catalogue of missed opportunities this season. I take the points you boys have made overall, uh, and maybe with a with a bit of, bit of distance later in in this coming week. Now, you will reflect in, and given the injury issues as well, particularly at Blackburn, it wasn't the worst of Easter's in terms of points all, but there was an opportunity there for, at kick off today. Bearing in mind Blackpool, Blackburn, sorry, of yeah. <laughs> catching out of start. Yeah, have uh, <laughs> dropped two point, more points. Although they might spin it as you know they came back to get a point at Huddersfield in the lunchtime kickoff. But even even more evidence that the path has opened up, and um, and Norwich just need to seize their opportunity this afternoon. And uh, and after it's it has to be said a very positive first fifteen minutes where I, I felt you could see the the confidence from from Blackburn. Um, you know, four or five real good opportunities, and and the way, impressively, they were playing through uh, Rotherham and and getting in, in behind, and there was there was a directness in wide areas. There was there was service for Timu Pugi, which hasn't always been the case of late for him, and and from that point, fifteen minutes onwards, then to 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 effectively just kind of retreat and go into the shells. We've seen that trait so often from this group of players, irrespective of the head coach. We've seen it under Wagner, we've seen it under Smith, and. You know, just you've got the opportunity there. Go and go and grab it. You know, these players are good enough. They've shown that in individual circumstances, in the odd smaller samples of consistent performances over the entirety of the season. But when push comes to shove, like today, uh, found wanting again, really. And um, and that for me is justifiably where the frustration is. If you're an Orange fan, you've you've turned up. Sam's point is right. You've turned up more often at Cairo this season and left disappointed and they'll leave disappointed today. And and to be fair, Wagner, again, did acknowledge result-wise, yeah, hugely disappointing. But he still felt, and I think, you know, on reflection, when when, when I think he's talking about performance was good and, and elements of it were good, um, he also, in the press conference, talked about the emotions and not getting too high, not getting too low. And that's probably even more marked at this stage of the season. They do need to keep more of an even keel and I think maybe his messaging today was was more to try and do that, to try and both internally and externally, you know, just sort of limit the feeling that, uh, you know, that's it, game's up. Because, you know, 
conversely, after Blackburn, you know, they wasn't in the top six. It wasn't a done deal. So, and it's going to be like that between now and the end of the season. So, you know, I think I, you can probably read a little bit of, um, you know, he's 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 trying to, um, you know, set the right tone for the week ahead, which obviously culminates in a in a very testing game at Middlesbrough. Um, and in a roundabout way, we discussed this as the game was unfolding. I think they'll probably have a better opportunity to go there and, and beat Middlesbrough for me because I, I think, and we'll get into the weeds of this, I think Middlesbrough will play in a star more akin to Blackburn in terms of Norwich will be able to profit on the counter. Uh, and it's clear in my own mind now that Wagner, if it's a counter-attacking type of game, then he seems to be able, that fits his eye. He's got the players he feels that can play that. And that is effective. You know, they can't. they do look clinical when they're playing that type of game. But again, today, as as for most of this season and the results at Cairo bear it out, when they're essentially told, you're going to have the ball, you're going to have a lot of the territory, try and break us down, they, more often than not, when push comes to shove, have, have failed to do that. And that's a real issue for me in the short term, but also, you know, whatever league Norwich are in next season, because if it's the championship, teams will more often than not come to Cairo Road and challenge Norwich to break them down. So he needs to, on a broader level, decode because that's the challenge they're going to face more often than not but bringing it back to the here and now um, yeah no I th- I, th- I think if you are disappointed as an Orange fan you- you're right to be if-, if you are frustrated you're right to be because Wagner himself he fueled it um, post Blackburn and pre-Rotherham he wanted the fans to turn up and sing like they'd never sang before and, and match the intensity and ferocity that you hope to get from his players I think the reality is a nil-nil against Rotherham at home when when you've mustered maybe three or four shots on target. You know that intensity, that energy, that endeavour, all the things we saw at Blackburn, we didn't see it enough today. And um, you know, as a result, it's more of a holding pattern rather than what we should be reflecting on. I think tonight is top five um, in their own hands, and they go to Middlesbrough full of confidence, and that isn't going to be the case now. Yeah, I think, I think you've, you've touched upon a good point, which has become obvious, um, that this Norwich City team is better when they don't have the majority on the of the ball, when they aren't up against a, a low block or even necessarily a, a high press in that regard. They want to kind of be the, the, the counter-attacking cat side, the counter-pressing team in this. They want space to exploit. They want Onel Hernandez running into space. They want Josh Sargent running into space, which is really interesting when you consider that, uh, summer transfer window in, in 2021 a lot of their business was geared towards moving them to be that type of team albeit that was Daniel Farker and and that was the aim a couple of years ago it's a completely different division in a completely different context and now they find themselves probably capable of doing that when arguably particularly at Carrow they probably need a different set of players so for David Wagner particularly when you look at the home games left to come which are uh, you're gonna have to help me here Swansea Blackpool, there's another one, isn't there? Um, or is there? No, there isn't. No. Swansea and Blackpool. Swansea might be slightly different because they are a side who like to have, have possession. So that may actually end up being a game that suits Norwich City. But particularly on the final day against Blackpool, and I guess more broadly, it feels like they're going to have to find a different solution to, to playing at home. And that is probably evidenced by the form that you touched upon all season, but specifically the last three games, which have been obviously 1-0 defeats to, to Sunderland and Sheffield United, and obviously a 0-0 draw against uh, against Rotherham so that's that's not a goal scored in the last three home games which is pretty dismal yes very bad and uh, the worrying thing for David Wagner will be the lack of options as he tries to sort that out um, <clears throat> I think it was evident in his substitutions today that Norwich don't really have that many options that can come off the bench and 
change things and they don't have many players who they can bring in to try and change the way that they attack and the way that they approach those games. Um, I was speaking to fans after the game today and the very first person I spoke to, one of the first things they said was that Norwich have never replaced Emi Buendia and I think that's as much as it's probably a, a bit of a broken record at this point and it's something I've certainly banged on about a good deal, it's something that becomes more and more evident with every single home game and they don't have that player at but all. You could, you could even... Park Buendia, you could even argue it's a Kieran Dow-like yeah. figure, couldn't yeah. you? That that kind of creativity, and I suppose his absence has, has hit them quite hard in that regard, as Onel Hernandez has did when he was out. Yeah, certainly, and um, I think those injuries really are taking their toll because, for me, Marquinhos isn't really a creator. He's more of a finisher. He wants to get on the ends of, of things, and he's got decent technique, but he doesn't seem to have that spark for me. Um, and then you're relying on, a lot of the time, Tamer Bookie to take on three players and score from a difficult angle and at his age and you know his his situation it feels quite unlikely that that's going to be a, a very prof- profitable source of creativity from now on so without being able to play that counter-attacking style um, I'm not sure Norwich really have a way around that until the end of the season then they've got a summer window where Admittedly, with the finances, if they don't go up, Stuart Webber's going to have to pull another rabbit out of the hat in terms of finding Pretty that creative reference. player. There you go. Thanks very much. <laughs> Not on purpose, but I'll take <laughs> it. Um, you know, I think until the end of the season, for sure, they're in a really, really difficult position unless they can find a way of maybe inviting teams onto them. Maybe maybe they get their own fans a little bit um, on edge by passing around at the back slightly more than they need to to draw in that press and then try and play beyond it because... That's the only game in in several weeks, that Blackburn game, where they've looked capable of creating chances. And that was because Blackburn wanted to play that expansive, possession-based style. And they wanted to leave that space in behind to uh, for the likes of Liam Gibbs, Josh Sargent, to, to go and exploit. And um, I think part of the attacking conundrum for Norwich is whether Isaac Hayden can play a, a part for the rest of the season. And I, as I'm sure... Most Norwich fans have my doubts as to the various problems involved with that and, of course, the time he's spent on the sidelines. But without him being able to fill in in midfield, it looks like Liam Gibbs isn't going to be able to play that advanced role that he thrived on so much at at Blackburn. And I thought instantly his partnership with Josh Sargent looked like a dangerous one and the flick-ons with his running running in behind um, really did provide a, a... a dangerous option for Norwich when they were on the counter-attack. So I think there are a number of parts that maybe don't work in Norwich's favour but could. And um, if Isaac Hayden can come in and and play that proper defensive midfield role, and it's a big if given how his season has panned out so far, it might release Norwich to play the style that they want to. So there are probably options there, but quite a lot of things do need to fall into place for Norwich for them to be able to do that. And they haven't quite been falling into place for the whole season, really, so it will be tough for sure. Yeah, if uh, if, if David Wagner was, was sat on one of these chairs next to us and he was reflecting on this Easter weekend, I'm sure he would be keen, as he probably was after the game you spoke to him. I haven't had an opportunity to, to listen or, or watch any of that back yet, but I'm sure he would have spoke about the mitigation behind these results and the fact, particularly Rotherham uh, in particular, they were without Grant Hanley and uh, and he's obviously going to be out for a prolonged period of time now uh, except for surgery on on, on a ruptured Achilles which 
it usually keeps you out for about six months at the very least, but particularly with professional footballers can be a bit longer as it uh, as it kind of builds up. So I think they'll, they'll get a clearer picture once his, his surgery is done. Ben Gibson is is out for the season as well. Regular season could could make the playoffs if obviously Norwich City make the playoffs. And Kenny McLean as well, who's who's obviously out with a knee injury. Marcelino Nunez currently out as well, although uh, uh, whether he'll be back for Middlesbrough, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But he would point towards the fact that Jakob Sørensen was was playing as a centre back. That Liam Gibbs, who has been playing in a more advanced role, we've obviously seen him in, in a six earlier on this season, was was playing alongside Gabriel Sara, and they maybe didn't have that option for the natural balance, which helped them so much at, at Blackburn. I mean, how, how much does that come into the thinking? The fact that there were injury concerns, and this was kind of a needs must team to an extent. We saw Temu Puki with Josh Sargent again, which has been a formula prior to Blackburn, which left them quite dry in terms of goals but not necessarily because of those players but more about the wider structure and the wider service so is there merit in in that argument from from David Wagner today and after this game do you feel yeah there is but then by the same token how many chances did they carve out with that current lineup today in that in those positions in the first 15 minutes you know they will create chances so I'm at a loss you know I'd have to go away and, and look at that in more detail, why for the first 15 minutes with Sorensen in the back four, with Gibbs alongside Zara, um, with Pukki up the top and Sargent tucked in behind, were they able to function effectively with the ball? And then clearly Rotherham reacted. It looked like they went a bit more solid across midfield. Maybe they got their press a bit more cohesive from the from the front. And, and thereafter, Norwich very difficult to play through that. And... Again, that comes back round to the point about Car Road and, and teams who are going to present those challenges. But in that 15-minute sample, they managed to, to do that. So, yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, the centre-back one is the big one because ultimately what that more or less does is rob you of Jakob Sorensen now as a, as a holding midfield option for the rest of the season. It's I a think. massive blow for him, isn't it? It feels like every look, time we, we see Blackburn. him in that midfield role. Yeah, but look at the Black... Just go well, back. Millwall as well is another example. But Blackburn, both of those goals are sourced from Jakob Sorensen passes. First time, instinctive, passing forward, um, quality. And, and then obviously thereafter, we know how those goals played out. But at, at heart, both of those, the common denominator was Jakob Sorensen. Gibson isn't going to be back before the end of the season. Um, I don't really buy Wagner's um, sort of tantalising carrot about if they got in the playoffs and he could be available. There's a lot of potentially in, in those sort of statements. The same with Kenny McLean. But no Gibson, no Hanley. They can't recall because we asked him directly after the game. Tompkinson from Stevenage. So what what you're left with? You're left with Andrew Mabamba Daly, Jaden Warner, but again, completely raw, untried development prospect. He's not going to get thrown in the deep end. So it's Sorensen, basically. And that... Sam Byron? Yeah, well, there is Sam Future Byron. Future Norwich captain. Yeah, no, well, yeah, yeah. But uh, I'll resist the temptation to make a joke on that one. But, uh, <laughs> it, yeah, OK, he's in the equation. But And we may, you know, we may start to see him. He's on the bench today, him and Hayden. But uh, I think, given his injury history and, and, and the need to sort of, you know, they, they haven't got five games for him to bed in. They've got five games, haven't they, effectively? So... Uh, it has to happen now, and and I think it'll be Sorensen. So that is detrimental in terms of the midfield mix. Then you know, yes, Gibbs was good in the holding position today, and Wagner actually voluntarily um, talked up how good he was in contrast to what he said earlier in the season about he didn't think he had a physicality at this stage of his career to play that six in the championship. Um, but today he was singing from a different hymn sheet. So 
it didn't sound like Gibbs was going to be back in, in and around the 10 position for, for Middlesbrough onwards. Um, and I think that's ultimately where we need to zero in here because the Pookie sergeant, even Ida, when he came on again, that axis has palpably not worked in terms of giving them the, the thrust at the top end of the pitch. To take your point on Dowell or a Buendia before, they don't, none of those are facilitators. They don't link the dots they're very different functional type of forwards, all with their strengths, no doubt, no doubt about it, but very similar, all, all bracketed the same category for me. So that, for me, is now the big issue, is if Sorensen has to stay in the back four, if Gibbs has to stay in, in a holding two alongside Zara, what's happening in, in those four positions at the top end of the pitch? Because they'll need to score goals. Wagner said it again after tonight's game. You know, you can play well, but now it's about scoring goals and... You know, you've had another goalish affair at Car Road. Um, can they can they really see a a Pookie Sergeant Eda axis with Marquinhos and Hernandez in the mix, creating the, the opportunities that they need? And and for me, no. Is that the wind? I think so. Yeah. Is that the wind? Yeah. There's an ill wind blowing. I know that. But um, so it's hard it's hard to to sort of pick a way through that. You know, Nunes potentially could be available. Um, sounded like from what Wagner was saying after tonight's game from Middles after Middlesbrough, uh, and we all know he has the ability to play in those pockets. But you know, I don't know. It's very it's very tricky now to see what Norwich can do because they're limited in terms of the personnel and and where other personnel have to fill in. But it's for Wagner to try and find find solutions to that conundrum. But um, if they don't, and and if you're reliant on a sort of a a Pookie with a sergeant or role reversal and an Eder in the mix and a Marquinhos and Hernandez, that doesn't get the job done for me in these next five games. So so it is, for me, a, a massive issue. Um, and heaven forbid, I don't even want to talk this up, but, you know, what if a Sorensen or Ahmad Daly get injured from now on? I don't know. what Then it would clearly be in your come, Sam Byron, but uh, they're on the thinnest of thin ice now in terms of the injuries. And that's, of course, not in... Wagner's making that's the hand he's been dealt and it's a tough one now but um, I'll reiterate and I didn't really know until the Rovra manager came in for his post-match it sounded like their first choice keeper um, got injured yesterday I think he said um, in training so you know what Norwich are going through maybe is more marked but it's certainly not unique to Norwich every club in the championship at this stage of the season are dealing without influential players and um, you know I don't think it's it's sufficient just to uh, say well throw your hands up, what can you expect us to do from here? They need to find solutions. We were told consistently before a ball was kicked that this squad was probably as strong a squad as in terms of depth as any in the Championship. Well, now's the time to see it. Yeah, and, and for as much as we're talking about mitigation, we're talking about that largely in terms of defensive positions. Yeah, we find the frustrations came in attacking areas today. Rotherham didn't pose too much of a threat um, beyond Tariq Fossu's chance in, in the first half. Now, you could argue, of course, that well, that mitigation at the back has led to maybe a, a, a switching around of the pieces at the top end of the pitch, which has had an effect. But as Paddy says there, if what Norwich had in terms of their attack was Onel Hernandez, who at this level has, has proven himself to be more than, than handy. Josh Sargent, who was signed for, for £8 million. Marquinhos on loan from Arsenal. And Temi Puki, who scored 88 goals for Norwich City. I mean, that, that should be a front four capable of, of producing and scoring goals, right? Yeah, definitely. But I think Paddy highlighted the problem with that when he said that they're all sort of functional forwards. Um, was probably the only one in that quartet that I really see laying chances on a plate for others and I think he actually did that, did that four or five times today. To be honest, he could have been far and away man of the match if 
somebody had put away one of the chances that he'd created. But you look at the others, and as much as I understand Josh Sargent as a sort of number 10, he's more of a positional thing. Uh, and for listeners, I've put it in air quotes. I know it's more of a positional thing than a an expectation or a role thing. I don't think anybody's expecting Josh Sargent to fulfil the same role that, you know, Emmy Buendia did or Kieran Dow does when he's at his best. Um, but that's that's maybe the problem. That It's all positional and it's all based on who fits in where and it's kind of a little bit, it feels a little bit almost FIFA-esque to me the, the way that Norwich are almost just plopping their players in. If they're an attacking player, just chuck them in an attacking position. And I felt that was quite a big weakness of Dean Smith's setup, especially with his substitutes. Often late in games, it would just kind of be like, oh, well, we need to score a goal. Let's replace a midfielder with a forward. And there wasn't much thought, in my mind at least, about how players would work together and how tactically those things would develop. Because I think Wagner actually said it in a recent press conference after the Sheffield United game. It doesn't matter how many strikers you've got on the pitch, some teams play without one and, and win 5-0. And uh, Norwich, as an example, I think had three or four on the pitch in that Sheffield United game and had their first shot on target, not from any of those strikers, in the 92nd minute. So I just don't think they've got enough of a tactical idea of where those chances are going to come from. I think Wagner probably does have his own ideas of identity and style and how he wants his teams to look but maybe not in an in-depth attacking way I think that was one of Daniel Farker's strengths actually when he was head coach and I don't want to go too far back but for me that's the last good example of a Norwich team that looked like their movements were planned and they knew where they were going and if things weren't quite coming together from a just go out there and play and be creative and do what feels natural standpoint, it felt like they always had a little bit of a tactic to fall back on. There was always a way of getting Max Ahrens to the byline. And when that happened, Pukki knew to come back to the penalty spot um, or a way to find Ono Hernandez cutting in. And for me, there's too much go out and play, boys. You're all attacking players and not enough consideration of how they fit together, not enough of a jigsaw coming together in those attacking positions so as complex as that is I don't think they're going to solve that problem in five games unfortunately so it's a bit it's a bit doom and gloom but they might have to muddle through for now because those things are complicated to implement there's a reason why it took Farker a a season of quite boring performances and inconsistency even with somebody like James Madison and it's because these things take time to bed into players and uh Norwich City unfortunately don't have time they do have a lot of good players who probably can um, produce good individual moments but how many how many things from earlier on in the season are we now coming back to where we were saying earlier on Dean Smith is the problem and Dean Smith tactically has got things wrong but still they're relying on good moments from individuals Um, still they're showing inconsistency and still there's not too much evidence of a tactical approach that's yielding chances so yeah I think it's more to do with the setup than the players but they don't have that player especially while Kieran Dowell is absent that can go and create those chances and that's an absolutely massive problem and probably up there with Stuart Webber's priorities in the summer and if it's not already then it it certainly should be because they've had a massive hole in their team for nearly two years now and uh, the evidence of 
what it does to this team and how it affects them isn't going away. No, it isn't. So, so just to conclude on the Easter fixtures, then uh, just to kind of wrap that up, four points. Um, Norwich have made ground on the playoffs. I think we'd. I mean, if you were to give it a grade, pad just very quickly, what what would you kind of give four points in terms of a, of a grade? B. Yeah, I think I'd agree, Sam. Yeah, B minus. B minus. Yeah, yeah, I think I think I think that's. <laughs> do we do minuses over here? Though we do, yeah. which is a good job for me and my uh, my education. But anyway, um, I, I think that's about fair. So I think I think you know we've probably made the arguments there for the positives and probably the the question marks rather rather than the negatives, which um, lends us nicely to speak about some stuff obviously that, that's happened this week. And, and let's start with uh, the the main headline that, that emerged uh, prior to the Blackburn game, which was obviously the news surrounding Temu Puki. He's uh, rejected Norwich City's offer of a new contract. He'll be leaving the club in the summer um, after five years, 88 goals, 205 appearances, I think it is now. Um, it's it's really interesting because it feels like we're probably going to be talking about two things in this in this conversation about Temu Puki, his legacy and his record at Norwich City, which are probably going to be unbelievably positive, and and obviously the hole that he's going to leave in this side mainly goals. I mean, me and Sam were, were looking down the uh, in the Norwich program. They have a list of all the appearance makers and the goals, and actually beyond Temu Puki, there's not a lot of goals in in this Norwich City team. I think Josh Sargent is the next highest with 15 to put it in to put it in context, and then uh, I think it's Kieran Dow with 11 or 12. So beyond Temu Puki, there hasn't or isn't many many goals in this in this team. How big of a blow is it to, to lose him this summer, irrespective of the fact that we probably all knew that, that it was coming? And I'm sure Stuart Webber and Norwich City did and, uh, and are planning accordingly. Well, that's the key. They, they surely would have known for quite a way out. And Wagner, I think, more or less confirmed that. He's known for quite some time. And obviously the, the public messaging of that was in the last sort of week, 10 days. But uh, yeah, I mean, we're talking about some other priorities maybe uh, in terms of that very creative midfield type in the summer, but ultimately you lose Timu Puki and you haven't got a track record of proven goal scoring from Adam Eder or Josh Sargent, then then they'll need to address that. They certainly couldn't go into a, a, another campaign irrespective of the league, but um, with with the current roster of forward players and, and that isn't going to be easy because we know from, and maybe this is the juxtaposition when we start to get into Puki and a discussion of his legacy, but that normally you go into the market, top dollar is commanded by strikers because strikers score your goals, goals win your games, goals win your promotion, goals win your titles. Um, and you wrap all those things together, you do have Timo Puki, but crucially, a free transfer, which for me puts him at the very peak of any modern-day discussion of a Norwich player. If it's value versus delivery, then he's probably top, I, I, I don't think... Tim Krull probably in the same category, but in terms of return for, for what they spent on him. And that's pertinent because a lot of the discussion around Weber, particularly now, is is about failings in transfer mar- markets past, uh, transfer windows past, and money that's been spent for a return which has been modest, uh, to be polite in some cases. Well, that's certainly not a charge you would ever level at him. In fact, that was an inspired piece of business, not all down to him, but obviously you know, him and his recruitment team. I think about seven people have taken credit. Yeah, for yeah, yeah. <laughs> one, one particularly who's no longer with us and I think his power in Middlesbrough's rise, but uh, that's for another pod. But um, phenomenal, phenomenal piece of business initially, then the coaching to, to, to fit him into a, a template that, you know, 
gave him the platform to do what he did in not just the two championship title winning seasons, but also in the Premier League, you know, in, in two overall fairly abject attempts at top flight sustainability, he was the shining light. I think both times he got into double figures, which at Premier League level in a Norwich team in the last two attempts... In a bad Norwich team. Is is in its own way, probably more, certainly equally, but if not more so, an impressive feat than the, the bag full of goals that he scored the first championship season. Not quite to the same levels, but the second time around again, he was prolific again. Um, but to do it in a Premier League in a Norwich team, which was, you know, and squad not fit for purpose, um, no praise is too high for him, really, in terms of his legacy and, and the, the indelible mark that he's left on what this club have, have done in the last four or five seasons. But, you know, to bring that right up to date, I mean, this season, it's not a vintage Pookie season. His goal return tells you that. Um, is, that is that him, though, or is that the team? I guess that's where the debate has kind of yeah, it, found it, itself. Yeah, it's everything. I certainly wouldn't, you know, uh, hang it all on, on, on him. But, um, he's, he's found himself in a team that, by dint of them having to change the manager, has clearly not been performing um, to a consistent level. And, and him within that hasn't found a template in terms of midfield players around him to extract what we know he's capable of still, I think, because, you know, that burst he had in the first part of the season showed you in in a team set up to get the most out of him, he would still score goals. And I'm convinced of that. He he would have had a lot more goals this season if if the midfield mix had been right around him. Um, Not to keep labouring that point, but... It hasn't been vintage, and and for me, yeah, it's it's the team more broadly, but clearly the contractual situation around him. I think he, it's no no doubt. I've spoken to plenty of people out in Finland, journalists who were close to his 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 people, his camp, if you want to call it that. And, and he wanted away last summer. He, he he clearly felt he wanted another opportunity, probably in the Premier League, because he was I think thirty one that point, and and. It didn't happen, and I'm not. I'm. I'm not questioning anything about his professionalism because, you know, the eulogies that have, have come forth since the the confirmation tell you that he is um, a phenomenal player and a phenomenal professional. Um, but the fact that you know, in his own mind, he probably felt he wanted the opportunity to go and explore other avenues last summer. That's got to have played a part. I think the edge isn't quite in his game. He's had injuries. Um, Confidence was which a point you made during the game today. I think that is a factor, even for an experienced striker. When you're not scoring goals, you're not taking chances, and you can see today, in fact, to bring it right up to date. You know the two chances he had, snatched at them, and, and both times, you know, the camera zones in on him, and you and you just he's just looking skyward. You know the frustration in his body language. He knows because he's in those situations before at this level, particularly been so clinical. And it's just not the pookie of old. And maybe that's age as well. You know, he's turned 33 now. His powers have dimmed. Um, so there's a myriad of reasons, I think, why this pookie isn't the pookie of the two previous times in the championship. Um, but I still, you'd still hope, just for the the, the positive, upbeat end to this story, that, that he does find his goal touch between now and the end of the season. And whether that's good enough to, A, get them in the playoffs, and then, B, actually come through the playoffs... Time will tell. It doesn't feel that's going to be a scenario that's going to play out. But you'd still like him to, you know, it, it would be quite sad, I think, if if he bailed out now without adding to his tally. Um, I think that that uh, chance of edging you and Roberts out of the top three has gone in terms of the all-time scoring list. But, you know, irrespective of that personal accolade, um, when the final whistle blows against Blackpool on the final day at Carrow Road, and if they're not in the top six... Um, he should get an ovation befitting his status um, 
and, and his service. And then you can only wish him the best in what will probably be the last big move of his career. And um, th- there is still some fuel left in the tank. And, uh, you know, it's just it's just a bit sad, sad for me that this this season, it's probably been a season too far, really. And I, and I think, you know, you, you completely understand why the club were loathe to... Can you imagine the messaging last summer? You know, you've got relegated and Pookie's departed. Um, how That would have been a very tough, tough sell, I think, uh, to try and message that out. So from a club's point of view protecting themselves and, and keeping that asset of course they were going to trigger that extra extension but I just think now looking back it probably last summer was the time for it for him to move on but you know there was no succession plan in place and at the moment there's no succession plan in place because I don't think either Avida or Sargent look like a player capable of uh, assuming his mantle so for me the solution probably lies outside the club this summer and that's going to be very interesting to see where they they find the, the the sort of the answers to who replaces Timu Puki because um, there's no doubt about it the hole he leaves will be a chasm and uh, you know it's it's imperative that they do solve it in some part whether whether it's you know uh, I mean it's it's probably a stretch to, to say that can they find another Timu Puki style signing I don't think that's possible but they do need to do something and it has to be creative given the finances or lack of because. Um, as we've seen now, you know, when he doesn't score, Norwich don't look like scoring. Um, and if they don't score goals, then very hard for them to, to hit the heights that, that they would hope to achieve, which, as Weber has, has re, restated since Wagner was appointed, is to get back to the Premier League. Well, they've certainly not got the armoury at the top end of the pitch in this squad, and, and more so when Pukki leaves, to say that that's, that's a realistic goal. So, um, yeah, I think you do have to separate out the legacy uh, and 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 the career he's had from this version of Pookie, which for me, you know, is is a pale imitation of what we've seen before. Yeah, it was a a good piece of punditry from Daniel Sturridge, which I know might not be the the, the most uh, most uh, obvious or maybe the the natural assumption to assume. But uh, he he was speaking recently on Sky Sports about strikers, and it was specifically going going through on one on ones. But I think you could broaden out more widely and he said when when you're a striker and you're in form and you you get sent through you're thinking about scoring um whereas when you're not on form you're thinking can I hit the target and that kind of feels a little bit where Pookie is at the moment he he's taking extra touches when he doesn't need to he's kind of overthinking stuff I think and even if you've played football at a very limited level I think you can understand particularly as a striker you can have moments where almost seemingly you, you don't do anything and, and you're able to score and, and it seems effortless and you can kind of just wave your foot at stuff and it flies in the top corner and, and other points it's so frustrating and you're almost trying too hard to score and overthinking and overcomplicating stuff and I just wonder if that's where he is at the moment even at the age of 33 even as someone who's who's done it all respective to, to Norwich City and is obviously Finland's all-time goal scorer as well so I don't know that's, that's interesting in terms of, of modern day I mean Sam, in, in my 23 years of life in, uh, and less watching Norwich City, he's, he's the best striker that, that I've seen in terms of all-round game, in terms of intelligence, finishing, um, probably what Paddy said there in terms of being dropped into a style of play that suited him down to the ground. Do, where, where does he rank for you, I suppose? And obviously we can't talk about, uh, I don't know, Chris Sutton and, and, and various... I can't even really talk about you and Roberts, to be honest, let alone let alone others. But where, where does he rank for you in terms of Norwich City greatness? Yeah, for me in my lifetime, it's basically him or Grant Holt. And I'd say based on the level that he scored 
most of his goals and the numbers that he's produced over the last 15, 20 years, it's difficult to find somebody else who's who's done that. And you look at the longevity, and I think I, I tweeted it at the time, maybe Ewan can match him for that and can compete with him. But you look at a player who for five years has has performed and produced the numbers that he has, as you said earlier, scored 22 Premier League goals in two of the worst sides ever to have been in the division. Um, I think the longevity at the top level is really hard to match for Norwich City, especially given the model that they've got and perhaps they've benefited from his age in that sense. I think he was 28 when they signed him. If he was uh, if he was 22 when they signed him, no doubt. Uh... This is this is very very subtle, Pat. No, no. As, he, as he attempts to close the game, the close a window, up, up you just had to you just had to do it, didn't you? But there we go. I mean, the staff of the horse is bolted. Well, exactly, exactly. But it's closed now, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Carry on, um, Sam. So you can remember your choice. Yeah. No, that's right. That's right. Now that Paddy's uh, eliminated that interruption, um, it's uh, yeah. I think I was just saying he's um, in terms of the longevity. If he was, if he arrived at Norwich at 22, maybe he goes after two years. But they've maybe got lucky with the fact he signed at 28. He didn't have too much of a reputation coming into the club, and they've benefited benefited from from five full years of a a top level um, striker. And that's not something that Norwich fans, unfortunately, are going to see very often, especially with the growing chasm between clubs like Norwich and this sort of top level club. So. Um, yeah, I think what he's achieved for this football club is pretty amazing, to be honest. And he facilitated in a very big way, probably the most entertaining Norwich City team of of all time. I know a lot of people will say ninety two, ninety three, and stuff, but in terms of the advancement of football and the way that they played under Daniel Farker, they couldn't have done it without him. And you know, they tried with uh, Dennis Sabeni, and, and they couldn't quite achieve it. So, so that shows you. Um, that shows you quite how important he was in that system. It's easy to talk about Emi Buendia, who's obviously gone on to be sold for nearly £40 million. But can he play those clever passes if he doesn't have perhaps the most intelligent striker in the championship, making the movements that make them worthwhile? Um, and I'd, I'd say probably not. So, yeah, he, for me, is one of the key cogs in one of the most exciting um Norwich City teams of all time probably the team that made fans happiest and yeah he'll go down as a a real legend and it feels quite strange actually I fully expected him to go but when that tweet came through on my phone um, of the club confirming that he was leaving it really it really felt like a huge event and I don't think there are many times it feels like that so he goes down for me in the sort of top top 20 Norwich players in terms of legendary status and how he's going to be remembered. And you can't really appreciate it now, as you never really can when a player leaves a club. But maybe in five years, we'll look back and, and think how, how lucky we were to to have watched Tomer Pukki as much as we did and for him to have represented the club as much as he did. Because I think after he's retired, everyone will remember him as a Norwich City player and as somebody who represents this club and um, what a fantastic accolade that is for this club given what he's done. And you have to praise not only the footballing ability, as David Wagner said, but the attitude, the personality, the commitment to the cause. Um, And yeah, as Paddy said, you have to commend the people that, that brought him to the club as well. But yeah, for me, he goes down really in the upper echelons of 
what players have achieved at this football club. Um, and it will be a, a quite a, a sad day um, when he, he does depart Carroll Road. Yeah, goat by name, goat by nature. Um, as we we sat here on uh, on Monday evening, uh, lots of, of reports from very reliable outlets that uh, former Norwich City head, head coach Dean Smith is uh, set to be appointed as interim boss of, of Premier League side Leicester City. Why are you laughing, Carl? Well, I was I was uh, I was going to come to you, Pat, on a, on an unrelated note, and just ask you when was the last time that that you feel you you landed on your feet. <laughs> um. Yeah, I'd have to think about that. Working with you lads, obviously, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Good answer. Um, what, what do you mean? No, 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 no. Go I've got go a better on, one than on that because I've on been on. flippant about that, obviously. It goes without saying. But uh, <laughs> when we pitched up at Tottenham one, uh, one Sunday uh, in their new stadium, so it would have been second Premier League season, and they had a nice Sunday roast on. Oh, it was good. We it? landed on our feet that good. day. Yeah, I think they got beat, but, uh, you know. Smith might levels, have been in charge, actually. Levels, I think he, he was. was. I mean, yeah. It was the 3-0. It's yeah. come back to me now, 3-0, yeah. It was around about December time, wasn't it? They yeah. were in that horrible salmon kit, weren't they? That's right, yeah, they were, yeah. And Omar mm-hmm. Bambadeli, I think that was the only game he played for Smith um, on an unrelated point because he had the back spasm issue. But um, Let me tell you so, just about that roast before you move on. There was stuff on that plate and I still don't know what it was, but it was absolutely wonderful. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah no, that was a high-class piece of cuisine mm. and... Um, We've got uh, back to food again. Yeah, <laughs> blame you for that. But um, but it's pertinent. I'm talking about centre-back in Omar Bamadeli. And from what you were telling me, that maybe JT, as he's known colloquially, John Terry, is going back it's in your with mate, him. is he? <laughs> no, he's not my mate. No, he's he's a mate of Dean Smith, clearly. Um, and obviously, Shaky, I'm sure, will be in the Sharabang. And uh, as you, the gang back together. As you pivotally pointed out, Connor, I believe Leicester's training ground has a nine-hole golf course. So it's a win-win all round. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no fair play to him. Good luck to him. Like on a personal level, our dealings with him, he was uh, he was good as gold. Um, but that is some touch if he lands Leicester, albeit it looks like a Leicester are heading back to the championship, and it's only by all accounts a short term salvage type mission. So you know he might be out of a job again come the summer. But um, I guess he's looking at it. It's no lose, isn't it? If he goes in there and has even a half decent impact, albeit in a a losing cause, then he, he puts himself back in the shop window, doesn't he? So it could be quite an astute move for him. But um, yeah, given how it ended in terms of Norwich uh, to be to be landing a Premier League gig, however long or short, within the space of you know what a month or a couple of months maybe, um, he's got a good agent. Yes, yeah, it's a funny old game, isn't it? Um, various strange appointments. Um, what I did want to mention before we get on to Barrow and to ask you a quiz question, which is I realised this week, it's not really a quiz question, it's more an observation, but I, it clicked in my mind earlier this week as to why Abu Kamara was number 47. Can either of you work out why? I don't know if this is the actual reason. Um, I presume it is. What if I said, if I said it was gun-related? Take his initials? Okay. Oh, AK. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Funny that, isn't it? Is it is it on purpose? If it is, that's quite... Does he have a good shot on him? That's what I want to know. That's so clever. You should have saved that for the newspaper. <laughs> it's just a, a shame you've, you've wasted it in audio form. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. If he's done that on purpose, then congratulations. Surely he has. That, that well, seems but, very... But like part of me thinks also Liam Gibbs is number 46, so they just chucking yeah. him on the next one, you know. Yeah. What's Roe? Is Roe... Roe was 40... He was, he was 46 before... I don't know. He was forty something. Now he's twenty seven. Yeah, Teddy's old number. Yeah, so maybe they're just chucking him on the forty production line, and Kamara's got 
lucky. But if he hasn't, you know, maybe I'm not giving him enough credit. Surely he's had we'll a have, We'll have to ask him. Yeah. When we interview him next. <laughs> That'll be the first question. Abby, what's the reason behind your number 47? But that's... It, well, I think, I think we'll, we'll know if he keeps it, surely. Because at some point, if he gets more involved with the first team, you tend to find they get given yeah. a lower number. If he keeps the 47, then we know it's a branding well, thing. Talking of that, and again, I don't know why it's entered in my head. Did you see that over the international period just gone? That, um, Shane Long, former Republic of Ireland, Reading striker. Um, yes. About shirt numbers and yeah. how he knew he, his time was up with the Republic. There is a Norwich link to this because he was had to present Adam Eder with his first Republic of Ireland senior shirt. And he only knew at the point that he handed it over in presumably some sort of squad ceremony that uh, he was he was basically giving him his number nine shirt um, because if the number nine, then you're, you're you're the main man, aren't you? Even in modern t- numerical ridiculousness of uh, all sorts of numbers, so uh, it matters. Yeah. So, Will you have a number nine pad? Uh, no, I never played that further forward. No, no, no. But um, I'm just trying to think what 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 number's the goat. Because that's going to be up for grabs. 22, yeah. Yeah, it's not. Number nine it's is boring, vacant. It? Number nine is vacant. Yeah, yeah, didn't Pookie, that was that was another story, actually. Pookie got offered number nine, but he turned it down because his 22nd is his wife's birthday. I remember that. Oh, isn't that lovely? Yeah, that's yeah. nice. It's lovely. Yeah. Right, uh, Borough, which is a, increasingly a massive game. And I think in the context of what we've discussed, probably makes it, today probably makes it a bigger game. And Andrew Omabamadeli alluded to that today. And it was always going to be a big game anyway, going to, to the Riverside Stadium. But... Because Norwich have missed this opportunity, they're playing before a lot of their championship rivals. If they get beat at Middlesbrough, there's an opportunity. I think Mill will play Preston, don't they? So at least one of those is guaranteed to drop points. I don't know where Blackburn are off the top of my head. Hull is where they are at. Um, But it gives an opportunity for the margins and the point margins to increase. They could be as much as four points off. Um, The playoffs come the next time we record a podcast. So feels absolutely massive and this is why to, to take it full circle to what we were saying right at the start of this podcast this game Rotherham Easter Monday missed opportunity because you get the win today you're fifth in the table you're inside that cut line and and then for me then you go to the Riverside and you get a point and that's a good result because the chances are with, with those fixtures you've mapped out there by the end of this coming weekend's fixtures you're still going to be in the top six with a point that isn't going to be the case now. They're playing catch-up. They've lost ground again today. Um, that's why this feels a real... Must uh, win? Blow. Yeah, Rotherham. Oh, but, uh, but Well, no, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't quite categorise it as must win. But uh, Must not lose? Oh, absolutely, yeah. No, you know, you don't put any points on the board at Middlesbrough, um, even though other teams aren't really grasping it, Preston aside, in that pack. But the problem is you can't but, but you're keep losing. assuming that's going to be the no, case. No, exactly. And and then it'll be four games left. Yeah. And then it's, oh, well, we'll move on to the next game. At some point, the next game is now. And it has to happen now. And that's why, after Blackburn, you thought, right, that the, the penny has dropped. I think I remember saying it to Wagner at Ewood Park after the game that he probably didn't even have to motivate or, or deliver any sort of stirring oratory to his team pre-Blackburn because they'd have looked at it and thought, today's the day. We have to perform. We have to win this game for all the reasons. And they did. And they delivered which is why it's so frustrating two days on, um, mitigation aside, they haven't grasped the same sense of urgency in today's performance um, when you would have thought the cards were firmly in their hand and the wind was firmly at, at their backs. And, uh, you know, that won't be the case against Middlesbrough. I'm pretty sure they'll um, they'll they'll be, you know, in terms of possession and territory uh, on the wrong side of that. But 
as we've discussed at points in this podcast today, that might suit them, that type of game. Um, albeit, you know, Middlesbrough, I think, are a better side than Blackburn. So, so if they get that type of dominance in terms of ball possession and territory, you think they might take it. Um, but yeah, definitely must not lose. Uh, and then we'll see where, 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 the, where they are come the end of that weekend. But, uh, you know, I, th- I think their, ch- their, their chances have taken quite a fatal blow for me today with that Rotherham result. Um, not because there's not enough games and points for them to clamber into the top six, but I just think the self-confidence that will be dented um, by not following up Blackburn as they didn't follow up Millwall, um, you know, I think that might be it might be a bridge too far for them now. But you know, you could have probably argued that was the case before, and and they they found something at Blackburn, and then the horizon looked you know looked possible. But uh, yeah, no, it's a massive game for them. There's no doubt. But they all they're all big now at this stage um, because they're not they're not seizing the opportunity, and uh, when you don't do that, you are looking for who's playing X and who's playing Y um, because you you are now firmly in that category where you it's not just what Norwich do, it's what others don't do if you're going to get into the top six. Um, and that's the corner they've backed themselves into. So uh, on, on we go to Middlesbrough and uh, let's see if in adversity they can perform like they did at, Mid- at Blackburn. Yep, I think before or after the international break, I said it would be five wins. They've won one. They've got five left. So well, we, well, what's that maths-wise? Three? Three from, three from five? Even I can work that out. Um, yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how it goes. We'll, of course, be at the Riverside Stadium for next Friday's game. Thank you very much to Sky for for bringing that forward for TV and 8 o'clock kickoff as well, which is a wonderful time. Um, so really looking forward to that, although it's the last kind of overnight long long haul one. So that's that's a bonus, I suppose. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for watching. And uh, we will, of course, see you again very, very soon. We'll be recording a pod probably after the... The women's game they have uh, they have Ashford at, at Carrow Road next weekend. Uh, obviously, if you haven't got a ticket, go and get yourself a ticket. I think there's uh, more than five thousand sold now, which is a, a wonderful, wonderful um, return. And hopefully, uh, they can add a few more uh, onto that gate as well. Uh, we'll of course be at that game as well. So it's a, an interesting week ahead. Let's see where Norwich City find themselves after Middlesbrough. Thank you very much for listening. See you again very soon.